This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And we should probably change that open, Producer Brian, now that I think about it, because it's not just about making your NFL games a little more interesting. It's now about making everything you can watch on TV or attend live or whatever, listen on the radio, I don't care, more interesting, with the Even Money podcast going year-round, presented by the studs over at Bet DSI. You guys know it. We've talked about it before. If you're listening to this, most of you, I'm assuming, have listened p- before, and you know that Bet DSI gives you guys, my listeners, a free $15 if you just use the code Tucker15. It's that easy. Go to betdsi.com. Take Steve's advice from this podcast. Use the code Tucker15. Use the free $15 to place the bets that Steve tells you to bet. And then make some money like we did all NFL season. He, of course, the Steve I mentioned, is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football betting. You can check him out on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. I am merely a former NFL offensive lineman who is dipping my toes into the gambling waters. This is year three and really, really enjoying learning more about it seemingly every episode and getting some tips to maybe place a wager. Even if I don't place them in Vegas, maybe place them with a buddy here or there. Last week, we and by the way, my Twitter handle is at Ross Tucker NFL. And if you ever have a specific question for Steve, it's really easy to ask it, and we guarantee he'll read and respond to it. Just send me an email from any sponsor confirmation, including betdsi.com to ross at rosstucker.com, and I guarantee we will read and respond to it right here on the podcast, and we appreciate those of you that help us spread the word via social media. The Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL so that people know we are year-round. Steve, last week we got into some of your tips about the NCAA tournament, brackets, bets. Might have you rehash those this week just in case there's people that didn't know we were year-round last week or didn't really listen last week, but they're into the tournament this week. So I might have you go over those again. But I want to start with some tweets that you were sending out during the seating on Sunday, you were pretty open about your fact that you don't think the committee really knows what they're doing and that you think they should all be fired, I believe, was one of your tweets at Fezzik Sports. Why? Well, let's assume Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik had been commissioned to go ahead and prepare the NCAA tournament seatings, and you and I had put them out 
And we put Wichita State, a team that everyone has ranked in the top 15 in terms of true strength as a 10 seed, we would be fired. There would be an outcry. These guys were, are incompetent. They have no idea what they're doing. They made Minnesota an eight. Everyone, they made Minnesota five. Everyone knows Wisconsin's better, and Wisconsin's an eight. Middle Tennessee State is an 11. Everyone knows they're better than that. Um, we'd be fired immediately. So why do they get a free pass? I don't know. Why, why do we all know that they're better? I don't follow it as closely as you do. Um, well, I, Vegas is basically telling the committee that they have no idea what they're doing in terms of the, the seedings because if you're doing a proper seating, and I get it, you can go ahead and see the team that had a better year um, that may not even be that good. So that maybe a team goes 28-3 and three and they get a whole lot of lucky close wins. And so you want to reward them for having a fine season and give them a really nice seed. But for the most part, that's not the case. It's just a case of the, the seedings that the committee did really bore no resemblance to reality in terms of how strong the team was or what a great year they had. SMU had a great year. I think they won 26 out of 27 games to end the year. They only lost four games. They won their conference tournament, and they got seeded in the sixth. And everyone in Vegas knows SMU is a top-20 team. I just can't understand. Everyone in Vegas knows that Wichita State is a top-20 caliber team. They won their uh, conference tourney in the Valley. They beat a fine um, team in, in the finals by 20 points, and they get rewarded with a 10 seed. It just doesn't make any sense. How can you have a, how can you have a 10 seed – playing a good Dayton team, a seven seed, laying six points, it, it shows that the committee with their seedings is just completely out of touch with how good the teams actually are. And then is that reflected in the lines? And do you have some examples? Sure. Um, Middle Tennessee State is playing Minnesota. So you've got a, um, uh, a 5-12 matchup and the lines pick them. And so Vegas doesn't care what the committee seeds teams at. All they look at is how good the teams are. And Vegas says, oh, these are two pretty equal teams right now, so we'll make the line pick them. Um, I mentioned the Wichita State line. Um, no, you didn't, I, really I didn't hear you say w- the line. What's, who are they playing? What's the line? Yeah, Wichita State is a 10. They're playing Dayton, who is a 7. The game is in Indianapolis, so it's, it's right down the street on I-70 from, from Dayton. Dayton actually has a slight venue edge. And Dayton is getting, the seven seed is getting six points, Ross. And the reason they're getting six points against Wichita State is Wichita State is freaking good. And I, I, I'll go as far as a sharp sixth grader would not have seeded Wichita State 10 if he had done his homework the night before. So do you think it's fair to say, I mean, if basically any line, unless there's some type of home court advantage, any line where the lower seeded team is – favored and in that case by a lot that's pretty good evidence that the that the committee probably got it wrong right exactly so um when and and i'm fine with there being slight differences i'm okay with there being a 10 seed favored over a seven seed because i understand there's different circumstances and they're trying to get people close to home geographically but i'm not okay with a 10 seed laying a touchdown against the seven seed that's just like if they had sent that to anyone that, in my opinion, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being very strong here, has a brain, they would say, oh, that's, that's just an egregious mistake. You've got to fix that. 
at the very least, oh, we're, we're, but we're going to, in, to production in five minutes, Steve. I'm like, fine, make Dayton a 10 and make Wichita State a 7 so you don't look completely incompetent. Any other examples? That one is so that one stands out so much that it's the biggest mistake I and others, Ross, have ever seen the Wichita State um, tendency. They're literally a top twenty, top fifteen caliber team. I think if they would have lost in their finals of their tournament, the committee would have left them out of the tournament. Well, so there's gotta be some logic or reasoning though, Steve. I mean, they got a whole committee that puts all this time into it. There's got there's gotta be something going on there, right? And that's why I gave the example of if you and I had been put in charge of this committee, only us, and we had done this, we would be tarred and feathered. We'd be like, how could this happen? Talk to some of your other college basketball guys like, um, you, you know, out there, uh, and they'll, uh, they'll echo what I'm saying. There's just no way that you could ever – no one – I can't – you'd have to ask the committee because no one that I've spoken to, I, I'm, you know, plugged into – how you know the experts in college basketball here in Vegas, and they just shook their heads and they're like, "What are these guys doing?" Okay, so then my question is: Is there any way that we can utilize that to our advantage, other than picking Wichita State to win that first round matchup? Yeah, I think no, um, because Vegas doesn't care what the committee seeds teams, but in your brackets, yes, because. Some of the public in these big national media brackets, it's just natural reaction. They look at the numbers, and they see a Middle Tennessee state with a really poor seed, and so they'll take Minnesota, the five, to beat Middle Tennessee state because the game is pick them, uh, and most of the public will take Minnesota. That would be one in your bracket pools. You probably want to take Middle Tennessee state. All right. Interesting. Okay, so then let's, let's – is there anything else specifically about – some of the seating or the committee that you want to get into? Um, I just think the committee for years has been completely biased against the mid-majors. They do everything they can to rig the draw such that the mid-majors don't make the final four. And they, they'll go ahead and match the mid-majors up against each other. Um, and they'll give them ridiculous paths. And they didn't do it as much this year, so I don't really want to focus on it. But they really hate this Wichita State team. I don't know why. When they, even the year they gave Wichita State, who was undefeated, a number one seed, they made them play Kentucky in the, in the um, second round. They made Kentucky an eight seed, just to, I'm, I'm convinced, just to try to knock Wichita State out of the tournament early. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, so then... You saw the seeds. You've seen the bracket. Now we know about the seeding. There are there any teams that you really like, or any teams that you really don't like for whatever reason? Yeah, well, at a five seed, I don't like Minnesota at all. Um, they're not. They're, I don't like the Big Ten in general. I think the Big Ten was way down, and so a good basic strategy is to find teams in the Big Ten. I believe to fade. Minnesota has an injury to one of their guards. Um, they probably should have been seeded ninth or 10th and they got a five seed. So there's a team, I think that it's going to make an early exit in the first round, um, and go down. I think Michigan is the classic poster child of a team that you want to fade Ross because they have got nothing but great national press starting with the plane crash, almost the plane sliding off the runway. By the time they got to Washington, DC, everyone was following this team. They're wearing practice jerseys, the round one game against Illinois, they run the table, win four games in four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, win a week Big Ten, 
lots of media attention, national attention, and now the betting public has gotten behind this team. In their first-round game, they're playing Oklahoma State, an under-the-radar good team, and Michigan's laying two-and-a-half points. I think Oklahoma State will win the game. So, okay, so bet against Michigan. Just based on the lines and the seeding, who are some of the other lower-seeded teams that we should take because Vegas has them favored? Uh, you've got a 6-11 game that is um, where Creighton is a one-point favorite against Rhode Island. I would Rhode Island's playing really well right now. I hate playing a team that is that gets real hot at the end oftentimes, like Michigan, but the, Rhode Island's the exception to the rule. They were the best team in the Atlantic 10 by the end, and the eye test really, really supports that team. That's a team that I absolutely would look to support in the tournament. And with um, Oregon having um, one of their big men hurt, I would not be surprised. I'll make a bold statement. Rhode Island makes this sweet 16. Wow. Is it, um, Steve, you think it's a, 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 the right strategy to just – I know you don't like picking a lot of upsets or underdogs, but you think it's the right strategy to go through and look at the Vegas lines and basically any Vegas line where they have the lower-seeded team favored, make sure that you have them advancing? I mean, is that, is that too simplifying it? No, that's, that's perfect. And I did do a video over at pregame.com about optimal bracket strategy. And if, if, it's, if you're just in a heads-up contest one-on-one, I would take the favorite in every game. It would be very tough to beat you. If you're in an office pool of like 40 people, maybe go ahead and take a number two seed, number three seed to win it all. But you can't go too crazy. In a national pool, though, Ross, you can go ahead and have a little fun take like an Iowa State to win it all, take a Rhode Island to win it all. But once you take a really big underdog, I would caution you not to go crazy. History tells us it's a chalky tournament. So maybe only play a few other upsets along the way. That should be enough for you to win a national tournament if you can get like your five upsets to come through. Have one huge upset, maybe two modest upsets, and a couple small upsets. All right, then what, what would you consider? We, we, we have the teams to, to bet against. You want to bet against Michigan. You don't like Minnesota. There any, anybody else, any other reasons you definitely want to bet against people? I think that a team that has a key injury this time of year, it's easy to say, um, oh, you know, the other kids will step it up. But Minnesota, like I said, is an injury to their guard. Oregon is a three seed that's been good all year that I don't think will be good in the tournament because they've got an injury to their big man. Florida lost their big man, and it's hard to replace a 6'11 guy that's a rim protector. So I think Florida is going to be having an early exit in the tournament. I would stay away from four-seeded Florida. Okay, and then um, what about the opposite? What about you know teams that you really like? or Before we even get to teams you like, what, do you have like a best bet? You know, I actually like some totals. Um, but you know, one of the one of the themes I'm going to talk about is usually when you get a a team, an undervalued team that's playing well, and they're like a six or seven point underdog, they try to muck the game up. They try to example um, Princeton in their first round matchup here is probably going to really try to slow it down against Notre Dame. But here's a game: Nevada, Iowa State. It's rotation seven twenty nine. It's in Milwaukee. You've got two teams that are high flying teams that are really playing fast and being successful. Nevada won the Mountain West. Uh, Iowa State's playing very well in the Big 12. 
the total on this game is 155 and a half, Ross, and I can't see how this isn't going to be a track meet. Two teams that have been um, flying over game after game and now playing each other should be a very entertaining high-scoring game. I like it. Okay, we'll take it over, right? So do you bet more on totals than you do on, on, on the line, Steve? In the NCAA tournament, absolutely. And the reason is, Ross, I firmly believe that these are some of the toughest lines to beat because they're analyzed and overanalyzed, and people are looking at them the second they come out. And so any mispricings tend to get fixed almost immediately. The exception is when the public is just betting with both fists on a team and the public money can move lines incorrectly. Uh, Probably the poster child of that was the year George Mason made the Final Four. They're playing Michigan State, and everyone loves betting Michigan State in this tournament. And they bet Sparty all the way up from like a four to a six and a half point favorite that year. And you could just fade that line move because it was all public money, no pro money. And I think the public will all be betting Michigan against Oklahoma State. So that's one why I like the underdog there. But the totals, absolutely. I I see there being value. And if you do your homework early, uh, I would go ahead and get down on plays. Another one I was looking at was NC Wilmington is playing Virginia. And NC Wilmington plays fast. This is rotation 721 on Thursday. But Virginia, Ross, you cannot find a more dead nut under team than Virginia. They run the shot clock down. They play great defense. They are offensively challenged. They held North Carolina one game at home to 43 points this year. Uh, That totals at 135. I like the under in that game. All right. What about like who Vegas thinks is going to win? It seems like it's, it's pretty open. Vegas telling us about that. Vegas thinks it's wide open. Vegas, basically on all the number one seeds, Vegas is saying they all have about a 10% chance to cut down the nets because the odds on all these teams like Kansas and Gonzaga, they're all at about eight, nine to one. Um, Duke is a number two seed. They're actually the favorite in Vegas. They're, if you shop around, you can get like a seven and a half to one. So they're the lowest odds of all the teams, even though they're not even a number one seed, which I actually disagree with. But they, Duke, uh, Duke got a very good draw through the tournament, so that's why they're the lowest odds. But uh, I don't think Duke is, is the best team by a long shot, but that's um, very rare. Typically, you'd see the best team be like a four to one or a three to one. And the fact that no team has odds at lower than seven and a half to one shows it's wide open. Okay, so right now, if I bet a hundred bucks on Duke, I'm getting seven fifty if they win it. That's correct. All right, but you don't like those bets, right? You think any any bets on teams to win the tournament are sucker bets because you can actually make more money and have better odds just betting them to win each week. Right. So if you took $100 and you rolled it over six times and you bet Duke on the money line each time, I think you're probably going to make about $11 by the time the tournament ends if you approach it that way. So I think it's a better way to skin the cat. Anything else tournament-wise that we need to know about? Anything else that is like, hey, you make sure before you fill out your bracket or before you make any bets that you know about this? Just to summarize, the bigger your bracket is, the pool of people you're playing against, the more upsets that you can pick is a good strategy. Um, I would print out right now. I'd go to your computer, go to BetDSI, pull up the lines, and print them all, sides and totals, all right? And I would view that as being what the, um, the markets have stabilized and say, say the numbers should be. 
Then, on the game days, on Thursday and Friday, right before you're about to make a wager, because most people do bet on game day, Ross, take a look at what the lines were, and then take a look at what the lines are on that day. I would caution you, don't play into a bad line. As an example, if a, if a game was pick em and now you see that the line is minus two, it's almost always correct to, incorrect to lay the minus two and play into a number that was much worse than what the number was one or two days previous. All right, cool. Well, I feel pretty good about it then, and hopefully a bunch of the listeners do as well. I guess my only other real question, Steve, was uh, relates to the NFL. And we're almost a week into free agency right now. We still don't know where Tony Romo will land. I'm just curious if there's any moves or anything that's happened anywhere that, you know, I don't know if it's Hoyer in San Francisco or whatever, and any moves that has impacted you know, the lines we went over a, a few weeks ago um, in terms of win totals. And I know you probably haven't gone back and looked at them all, but was there anything of significance in your mind so far? Yeah, one team, uh, Houston. You can't feel they're going to go with Savage. Um, the fact that they're able to jettison Osweiler means it's just a matter of which quarterback they pick up. Do they get Romo? Um, do they get somebody else? I think that that's the one team that, probably if you want to take a flyer on a future, and I'm sure the, the odds have come down on them, um, if they can land a quarterback, that's a really good team, Ross. Good defense. Um, they are in position to be a contender as long as they can land that quarterback. So that's the one team. I, and I, I apologize, I've not done the research on the current numbers, but I could see Houston absolutely making the AFC title game with a quarterback. Yeah, like let's say they got Romo. How much of a difference would that make for you in their win total number, do you think? Gosh, I think I'd make it nine and a half because what, let's think about the book on Houston. They never have a quarterback. They, they, you know, they always have some stiff back there, and they still make the playoffs or contend for it um, each and every year. So you, you suddenly give them a quarterback. Wow, I think they can win 10 games. Yeah, I, I think they can too if they get a guy like Romo. Awesome. I, I'm loving that we're doing this year-round and really looking forward to talking next week about some of the Sweet 16 matchups. We will see how it goes. Anything, Steve, for the second game, Saturday or Sunday, based on what happens Thursday or Friday. So, for example, there is a big upset for the number 13 seed beats number four seed. Are you all over the other team then in that next game? Because it is rare that these double-digit seed teams make the Sweet 16. Yeah, that's a great point. I am... I look to the underdogs in round one. A big part of that, Ross, is that the neutral site games, the crowd will tend to root for the underdog. One, um, if, if you're from Kentucky, you want Wichita State to, to lose because you don't want to play them the next round, so you'll put, root for Dayton. You'll root for the underdog. Um, it's just fun to root for the underdog in general. However, after round one, it becomes a chalk tournament. So a team gets a huge upset. They're hugging each other. They thought that was going to be their final game of the year. Very hard to wheel back, <clears throat> play Saturday and Sunday. That's in round two, and it's really true round three. If you get two upset wins and you make it into the Sweet 16, you come, come back home and party for three days, and oftentimes nothing left in the tank in that third round. So I would look to take pluses, take the underdogs in round one, and then I, typically I look to lay it in rounds two and rounds three. Awesome. I love it. Great stuff as always, Steve. I know a lot of people are very, very happy that we are setting these lines like we are and letting people know 
have what we think of the NCAA tournament, filling out brackets, setting bets, all that stuff. Please, everybody out there, retweet, spread the word so people can get these tips before they place their NCAA tournament bets. Absolutely love it. Just like we love any questions you ever ask us by sending us an email, ross at ross Tucker. Dot com. Other than that, BetDSI.com. Get the free $15 using Tucker15. And good luck, everybody. Hope you win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast. All available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. After you win all that money that Steve just got you with... Those tips and the bet DSI code Tucker15, then you're going to need to know what to do with that money. And one place you should absolutely consider is richuncles.com because everybody needs to be diversified. And with all the uncertainty going on right now, how about getting owning some property? That's what Rich Uncles does. They're a real estate investment trust. They own commercial property, collect rent from the best creditworthy tenants, and then pay out a monthly cash dividend, currently 7% annualized. Ideal for IRAs. They've been featured in the Wall Street Journal. Like any investment, it has some risk. It's not guaranteed. So check it out for yourself at richuncles.com. It's Rich Uncles REIT, a Reg A Tier 2 offering. That's richuncles.com or call 855-RICH-UNCLES. Either way, let them know you heard about them on the Even Money Podcast, baby. Rich Uncle's Reed is seeking indications of interest concerning its Reg A Tier 2 securities offering. Any indication of interest involves no obligation or commitment of any kind. No money or other consideration is being solicited, and if sent in response, will not be accepted. No sales will be made or commitments to purchase accepted until the offering statement is qualified. This media outlet is being paid under $2,000 by Rich Uncle's for this single message.